This is Made in Montana News on the Treasure State Radio Network. I'm Jay Scott. Governor Greg Gianforte has released a preview of the budget he'll propose for the upcoming biennium. He wants to use the state's estimated billion-dollar surplus to invest in major state-run facilities and reduce income and property taxes. Gianforte said he'll propose paying off state debt and investing in overhauling the Montana State Hospital at Warm Springs and the state prison at Deer Lodge. Gianforte says the budget also includes a billion dollars in tax reductions, with $500 million in the permanent income tax and $500 million in one-time property tax relief over the next two years. The governor also said he wants to lower the number of companies in the state that pay the small business income tax by raising the threshold to $1 million. He said that would drop the number of operations subject to the tax by 5,000. Last session, he brought the exemption level from $100,000 to $300,000. The legislature will take Gianforte's budget into consideration, but is not obligated to enact it. The legislature must make a final product by next spring. Montana is required to pass a balanced budget every two years. The U.S. Supreme Court on Wednesday heard oral arguments in a case challenging the Indian Child Welfare Act, the law that regulates how Native children are placed in foster or adoptive homes. Tribal experts, leaders, and advocates said the case has huge implications for the future of federal Indian law and tribal sovereignty. Known as the ICWA, the law aims to protect Native children by giving their tribe and family members opportunities for a larger role in adopting and foster caring decisions. Enacted in 1978, ICWA came in response to decades of state child welfare and private adoption agencies routinely separating Native children from their families to encourage assimilation. According to the ICWA, in the adoptive placement of a Native child, preference should be given to a member of the child's extended family, then other members of the child's tribe or other Native families. If those options are not possible, the child can then be placed with a non-Native agency. During oral arguments, ICWA challengers said the classification becomes political rather than racial when it regulates the tribe's sovereign interests. They argued the ICWA does not affect tribes' ability to make or follow their own rules. Native leaders, legal experts, and advocates, however, have argued that ICWA directly impacts tribal sovereignty. Chrissy Nemo, Deputy Attorney General for the Cherokee Nation, said the ICWA has gained substantial support among hundreds of tribes nationwide because it helps preserve tribal sovereignty. Quote, Tribes face a lot of issues, but one thing we know is universally true is that you don't have a tribe if you don't have tribal members. ICWA defenders argued before the court that the ICWA preferences are based on political classification, not race. They said if 
the ICWA operates on the basis of tribal citizenship, which is political, as children who are not members of federally recognized tribes are not eligible. They argued because the ICWA excludes people who may have left a tribe and people who belong to state-recognized tribes, it is not race-based. Justice Neil Gorsuch said the tribes are included in the Constitution and treaties as separate sovereigns. At one point, Justice Brett Kavanaugh said, I don't think we'd ever allow Congress to say white parents got a preference for white adoptions. Where do we draw the line? ICWA challengers repeatedly criticized the law's third placement, according to the ICWA, if the child cannot be placed with an extended family member or other members of the tribe, the third placement preference is that they be placed with another Native family. Assuming tribes are not interchangeable, ICWA challengers argued that placing a seminal child with a Cherokee family, for example, doesn't make sense. Some justices asked if Congress could give preference for COVID-19 vaccines to Native Americans and whether that would be racial discrimination. Justice Alioto asked, what happens if a child's parents and child said they don't want to be treated as a tribal member? Kavanaugh said, assuming tribal membership is a political classification, can Congress then mandate states to give preference in college admission to Native Americans? Kavanaugh also proposed another hypothetical, saying a potential adoptive couple could be told they can't adopt a Native child because you're the wrong race. The Public Service Commission will remain all Republican, as Ann Bukasik, a physician, is projected to have beaten Democrat John Repke to the board that has been beset by controversy, including travel expense misuse and internal bickering. Bukasik also beat longtime legislator Derek Skies in the Republican primary, but she has almost no experience in the arena of public utilities. She's best known for her conservative stands against COVID-19 vaccinations and abortion. Busak has led by nearly 12,000 votes, with 75% of precincts reported a 56 to 43% margin. In one other PSC race, incumbent Republican Randy Pinochi of Sun River had no challengers. He won re-election with 97% of the vote. The Big Sky Passenger Rail Authority will apply for a federal grant to make improvements to rail infrastructure along the High Line to benefit the existing Empire Builder. To some, it will seem strange for the authority created to restore service to southern Montana to be helping out the Empire Builder but they say that it will only enhance restoration of passenger service elsewhere in the state. Quote, we've heard again and again from those who are skeptical or paranoid about the idea that expanding passenger rail service would adversely impact the Empire Builder. That's Board President Dave Strohmeyer. We've long said it is not an either-or. A strong Empire Builder will strengthen and enhance expanded passenger rail service elsewhere. 
The High Line route is operated by the Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad. Single entities like the BNSF cannot apply for the federal grant. Stolmeyer said that BNSF approached the Big Sky Passenger Rail Authority and asked it to apply for the $15 million federal money on the railroad's behalf. If awarded, the funding would make improvements to the High Line route between Malta and Haver. Doing so would also punctuate the partnership between freight and passenger rail in Montana, a relationship that's not as smooth in other parts of the country. In the two years since forming, the Big Sky Passenger Rail Authority has grown to include member counties stretching all 600 miles from Montana's western and eastern borders. The counties lie along the old North Coast Hiawatha route, or advocates hope to restore passenger rail service. Environmental groups on Thursday hailed a decision by the Biden administration to resume studying whether grizzly bears should be restored to a remote North Cascade mountain area in Washington state. The National Park Service and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service will prepare an environmental impact statement on restoring the endangered bears to the North Cascade ecosystem. Humans killed the bears off from the ecosystem long ago. Restoration there would contribute to the general recovery of endangered animals in the Northwest, the agencies both said. Quote, this overturns the Trump administration's rash termination of these plans, said Andrea Zaccardi of the Center for Biological Diversity. Without a helping hand, grizzly bears are likely to disappear from the Pacific Northwest. Under the proposal, the two agencies would capture grizzly bears in British Columbia or from the Northern Continental Divide ecosystem in the Rocky Mountains. Approximately three to seven grizzly bears would be released into the North Cascades every year for roughly five to ten years. Republican U.S. Representative Dan Newhouse, who represents Central Washington, doesn't like the plan. The introduction of grizzly bears into the Northern Cascades would directly and negatively impact the people and communities I represent, Newhouse tweeted. He continued, it's disappointing our voices are once again being ignored even after the last process was discontinued due to overwhelming local opposition. Newhouse says introducing an apex predator into the area would threaten families, wildlife, and life. And finally, Montana's ski season will kick off this weekend with the opening of two ski areas. The Great Divide will be operating the Good Luck Chairlift and the Backyard tro Rope Tow from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday and Sunday, with limited terrain open with some few terrain park features. Lift tickets will be $20. A free donut will be offered for the first 100 people. Located in Polaris within the Beaverhead Deer Lodge National Forest, Maverick Mountain is fully staffed for the season, which is tentatively set to begin December 10th. That could be pushed up if more snow arrives, and one storm, they say, would be enough. If you need to hear this report again, please check the podcast on our Treasure State Radio or KGRT-DB webpages. 
Made in Montana News is podcast worldwide with listeners in now 51 U.S. states and Canadian provinces in 27 countries on six continents. We also post expanded versions of our stories on Facebook. Made in Montana News is heard on the Treasure State Radio Network, including KMEH, 100.1 FM in Helena, Elkhorn Mountains Radio in Jefferson County, Homegrown Radio in Bozeman, King West Radio in Billings, ResCast Radio on the Fort Peck Reservation, PIVA Radio in the Northern Cheyenne Nation, and Crow Res Radio of the Crow Nation. That's Made in Montana News. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Treasure State Radio Network.